Welcome to the Siskins Business Essentials Podcast, where I sit down with lawyers from Siskins Business Division to discuss current issues, challenges, and opportunities affecting our clients. My name is Chris Seinel, and I'm a labor and employment lawyer practicing primarily in arbitrations, occupational health and safety, WSIB and human rights law. And my clients generally come from the manufacturing, broader public sector, and, and healthcare sectors. And today I'm joined by Elena Ashford from Siskins Immigration Group. Lena, thanks for being here. And listen, can you start by telling me just a little bit about your practice and, and what sorts of services you generally are, are offering your clients? Absolutely, Chris. Uh, I'm a lawyer in an immigration group, and we uh, provide both business immigration and also uh, immigration services for individuals. So on the individual side, uh, we assist with uh, uh, visas, uh, visitor visas, uh, sponsorship applications, if someone is sponsoring a spouse, work applications, uh, and uh, opinion letters on border crossing, as well as other immigration needs. And for businesses, uh, uh, we focus on uh, uh, transferring personnel over the borders from uh, somewhere to Canada. Um, and primarily, uh, we work with clients who have businesses in the U.S., as well as a range of work permit services for employees uh, uh, and business immigration ladders. We often provide services on border crossing as well. How much of your business would you say is from personal clients? And I mean by by case file, not by revenue, versus um, business clients. Uh, I would say 50-50 at the moment. Really? Uh, Yes, we do have uh, some business immigration clients that... uh, uh, constantly needs uh, work with uh, getting personnel over the border. But we also get uh, uh, many individual requests for services, and uh, primarily it's the spousal sponsorship applications. And uh, we love doing those as it's a happy files when people get married and then come to Canada to become permanent resident. For your business clients, do you find that there's a, a type of client? or a type of sector that the businesses are operating in that that tends to rely on you more than others? Or is it really just any sort of business that has transnational operations, they're going to use you? Or do you find that they're primarily from one sector? I would say as of now, we don't see the work coming from a particular sector. We have business clients that are in completely different sectors, and they just uh, have businesses uh, in Canada and other countries. So we're not focusing on a specific sector at this moment. A lot of the times we often assist small businesses that not necessarily having yet a business in Canada and they want to come here on a business visit first to explore the opportunities to invest uh, in Canadian economy. And so we then do the business invitation letters for those clients to come in and uh, explore uh, the opportunities here. What's a business invitation letter? Uh, that's essentially uh, you, you're proving to the immigration authorities in Canada that you're coming for a valid visit, right? And uh, you have to provide evidence of uh, why you're coming to Canada. And if the purpose of coming to Canada is uh, business uh, meetings, uh, attending a conference, uh, then you have to have a business invitation letter from the inviting company. Full disclosure, my experience with you know immigration is crossing the border to go you know shop for the day or you know go to a water park in Kalahari on you know Ohio or something like that 
Um, so that's that's the extent of my kind of knowledge of border crossing. And I think a lot of the times, uh, some, uh, people coming for business, they don't even think they, that they need some sort of documentation with them. And uh, to be honest, sometimes they successfully crossing the border without providing any documentation. But then they encounter that one uh, CBSA agent who says, well, what's your, you're saying you're coming for training. Where is your training schedule? Right. And the person says, well, I don't have anything with me. And they say, well, we, we will not let you in. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. A lot of the times uh, we provide advice on what documentation uh, someone has to have before attempting to enter Canada. Um, and uh, we help uh, also the companies to prepare the invitation letters to invite someone uh, for a business visit. See, this is why it's good that I can see your office from mine. <laughs> exactly. I can, I can just come and ask you. Um, so these days with the government restrictions that are in place, uh, with you know the, the number of businesses that have been declared essential services by the government limited, there, there is some reopening that's beginning to happen now, although uh, generally it appears to be limited to, to folks that are operating outside. But with the restrictions that are in place, what sorts of changes are you seeing in terms of the effect on, on your clients that you're regularly advising? There are a lot of changes and we constantly monitor the immigration uh, refugees uh, uh, and citizenship website as well as uh, CBSA website as well to see what updates are there. There is a fact on the area of practice, definitely as uh, the borders are closed for non-essential travel. And a lot of our clients uh, are traveling usually to the border to apply for work permits if they're citizens of US, uh, citizens of UK and other some other countries. And so at this moment, the border, um, the ports of entries are not processing the work permits. And that affects our business clients uh, significantly as we have all these applications ready to be submitted at the port of entry. And right now, that cannot be done, even if it's work for essential service. So from a border services perspective, how have they federally defined what essential travel is? I mean, what are they using to judge whether or not you were able to cross the border? Is it the type of industry you're working in? Is it the purpose of your, of your, of your transit? I mean, what criteria are they using? So what, if, if someone has already a work permit that they hold, so that there has been a work permit issued, then the worker can come in with no issues. However, if they get a job offer, if it's for essential service, uh, they are not able to apply for that work permit at the border and come in. So um, as of right now, all temporary foreign workers uh, they are exempt from travel restrictions if they already hold uh, a work permit. However, if they do not hold the uh, foreign, sorry, if they do not hold uh, a valid work permit, uh, but they they are usually able to apply for a work permit at the border and they are coming for essential purpose, they are not able to apply at the border at the moment. And is that just because they've? gotten rid of all of the physical personnel that would handle the application? I think that is part of it, definitely. But at this point, they, they also stating that 
well, if you have a work permit, essentially, you can come in, right? If you don't want a work permit, you need to wait till the situation changes. And you can still apply at the consulate, but we don't know when your application will be processed. Are, are, they, even, are they even processing them? Or are they saying, you know, we'll, we'll keep them and eventually we'll process them? Or are they even telling you that much? They are processing them. However, for some of our clients, let's say we have clients who are citizens of Iran, and uh, on, at some point they have to give what it's called biometrics. So they have to go to this service center to get fingerprint uh, taken. Right. And those service centers are all closed currently all over the world. Even if their application is being processed, there is a step they cannot take at this moment to finalize that application. Wow. And so if I've, you know, if I've got a client and they're thinking of making these job offers to anyone that would require a temporary foreign worker permit, um, we're going to have to have serious conversations about whether you delay the job offer, whether you make some sort of conditional job offer just to lock down that employee, but all of it's going to be provisional on actually, you know, getting the permit, which could happen who knows when. Exactly. And I'm talking about the candidates who would be right now outside of Canada. Uh, we still have a volume of clients who have uh, foreign workers working for them who are already in Canada, and we need, let's say, to extend their work permit or apply for a new one. And if they are in Canada, we are able to uh, submit and get those applications processed uh, as the submission then go just goes online and we're able to get that done. So what hap- are there any special provisions in place if if I have not just a permit, but, but any sort of document uh, governing my eligibility to remain in Canada uh, and it expires, is, do, I, do I just reapply in the normal process or is, is there any sort of extension that's been put in place? If someone uh, contacts me and they're saying, well, we have an employee and this employee been with us and I highly recommend to contact us you know, half, at least half a year in advance before the permit expires. Right. <laughs> of course, it takes time. Uh, so then we start talking about what, what kind of permit are they on? What do you have to do as an employer to assist them, right? If you wish to assist them to extend the permit. And there are various programs uh, that this person, this individual may qualify under. So we explore what's the best way. And if it's possible at this point to get a work permit. Generally, uh, someone who wants to hire a foreign worker, they need to, to do what it's called labor impact market assessment with Service Canada to get permission to hire a foreign worker before that foreign worker applies for a work permit. From a public policy perspective, have you gotten any indication from, from the federal government whether they intend to take a position on either discouraging immigration and the use of foreign workers or, you know, is it business as usual from them while all of this is going on? We haven't seen any, any changes specifically. Uh, I mean, for a while, it's, uh, uh, it's been a hurdle bringing uh, foreign workers into Canada as, again, you have to prove to Service Canada first that uh, you cannot hire a Canadian uh, citizen or permanent resident 
uh, to do the job. And that remains uh, the same as of now. And the labor market impact assessment uh, application process is very complex. So I definitely advise uh, to, if, you, if, if, if as an employer you have an employee you really like and you want to keep, I definitely discourage from promising uh, and anything to this employee and not and saying things like, oh, we will do everything immigration-wise to, to help to keep you here, because you might not be able to keep that promise once you know what the process is. And Service Canada, they divide applications by high-wage, low-wage uh, type of applications, and it's, it's a complex process, so I'm not going to get into it much. If someone has questions, they can definitely contact me and I can talk about that further. Uh, but if it's a high-wage position, uh, you will then have to submit uh, what is called transition plan with your application explaining how will you transition as an employer to hiring only Canadian citizens and residents for this occupation that you hire for yeah so when you look at the types of workers that your business clients are, are tending to use the types of foreign workers and if we imagine that there are you know two really high level groups one would be where it's where it's primarily a skilled or unskilled labor base and the other one where it's more I don't want to say technically focused but let's say consultants let's say sales business uh, that kind of thing do you find that the the sorts of foreign workers that you're dealing with fall more into one camp than the other again we have uh, some clients who are looking to hire someone in skilled occupation but we often get calls from hotels gas stations and that's businesses that have foreign workers working for them usually on postgraduate study uh, postgraduate work permits uh, and uh, were paid near minimum wage, and they would like to retain those workers, and that's very difficult to do, mm. right? But we still we still get clients uh, uh, for low wage positions as well, and in some cases where we're succeeding in getting uh, the candidates' work permits, but it, it's quite complex. Immigration, uh, Refugees and Citizenship Canada would like to see people who have uh, high education, high skill level, both foreign and Canadian work experience uh, uh, when applying for permanent residence. I'm just curious, and this is probably a stupid question. If I was a business and I had one or more employees who right now, I of course have, have no interest in uprooting them from their home country and bringing them into Canada, it just likely isn't a, a realistic play at the moment. And so, but if I can have them work remotely from whatever their home country is, and I have them doing services remotely through, you know, if I have a local entity or if I'm simply, a, you know, put them on my payroll and, uh, and they're physically located in that other jurisdiction. And then months from now, when things begin to loosen up, I then bring them in. Does that time that they've been working for me in that other country offer any benefit at all to the application process? Or are they, are they still starting fresh as if I was just hiring them right now? Well, if someone performs any type of work that involves entering Canadian labor market, which is even if it's a remote work, they 
should have a work permit to do that work, right? So they, 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 as an employer, you also should consult an immigration lawyer to find out, is it even legal for the, those people who work for you remotely to, to do that work? <laughs> so, that, so, that's a, so that's a good question, because I'm sure some clients may be looking at a situation right now where they've got, let's say, a high-value individual they'd love to bring in. They don't think that, obviously, you know, even for travel arrangements, it's, it's going to be difficult for them to do it, and they may not want their person to leave their house. And so they want them to just work, just work remotely from the UK, just work remotely from South Africa or wherever the heck they're located. Uh, and then even then, they're still, even if it's purely remotely, it's all digital. If, uh, if they're on the Canadian payroll, then they're in the Canadian labor market and they're going to need to come talk to you? Yeah, absolutely. Because then that means they're taking a job from a Canadian citizen or permanent resident, and which means they should have, a, they have to have a work permit to do that job. And it may uh, hurt them further having that experience of uh, uh, work experience without a work permit. If they're applying for actually valid work permit to come to Canada, they may be denied the permit. Of course, they, they did have not gotten the work permit before when they had to. So if we cast our mind out to the next, not even three months, but six months and nine months, and just the way things will be operating for the foreseeable future until you know, we get a vaccine or there's, there's a, uh, just a stabilization in, in how society is operating, we can anticipate that we're going to see more people working remotely. And the sort of scenario that I just laid out is, is probably going to be more likely. That's right. Um, I, get, I guess my question is, what do you see the new normal as being for the next year? Well, definitely, we're, we're really curious to see of what will happen with the borders, uh, with the border crossing, whether the borders will open up uh, uh, this year for uh, non-essential travel and uh, um, whether that happens will really guide what, what the next year will look like. Uh, we, we're still getting retained on cases, even for workers who are currently for uh, candidates for work permits who are outside Canada, as everything takes time. For example, if we determine that uh, someone has to first uh, do the labor market impact assessment, that takes several uh, months to complete before the candidate can even apply for a work permit. So that's something we can do right now. And if we get a positive labor market impact assessment, is this valid for six months? So if uh, our candidate will be applying at the port of entry, if the borders will open up within the six months after we complete the LMIA process, then they still be able to apply no problem at the border. But it definitely complicates things right now. We're just following uh, the updates and uh, many of our clients are uh, international students. As of now, uh, the international students who already have permits in place that are that have been approved uh, before March 18, 2020, they are exempt from travel restrictions, so they can still come in. Mm. Uh, and uh, in response to the COVID-19 situation, they are now allowed, usually they are allowed to work uh, not more than 20 hours off campus. But as of now, if uh, they have work in essential service, 
they are temporarily allowed to work more than 20 hours if they're studying full-time at the same time. So, Elena, what's your usual process if I'm interested in, in or if I have an issue with anything involving immigration? I mean, how does this work? How do I start it? When initially uh, dealing with potential client, we want that individual to feel comfortable uh, in their decision uh, to retain us or not to retain us. Uh, I provide free initial consultation uh, to potential clients. Uh, I want the, that individual to be fully informed about the application process, the processing times, uh, which is a very uh, serious consideration at the moment uh, in this in the current climate. So I'm always willing to uh, provide a consultation on the phone or by Skype. Uh, to answer any questions uh, before someone will make a decision whether they want to make an application and whether they want to retain a lawyer to do so. Well, that's about it. So I want to thank Elena for taking the time to, to talk today. Please remember to like and subscribe on whatever your favorite podcast app is. If you have any questions, visit us at www.siskins.com or visit our social media at siskins underscore LLP. And so once again, my name's Chris Seinel. You've been listening to Elena Ashford and I discuss the business essentials about immigration law.